live in a beautiful state. Hmm. So, you know how you know you're 30 plus? Like when a night out with your friends sparks a rabbit hole of curiosity, if you will. It's like, yeah, I was excited about the chicken wings. <laughs> Or I guess more prevalent of the night. I was excited about spending time with my friends, my loved ones, my boys, my bros. And any other words you want to throw in there. Then I was excited about the wings, of course. And then I was excited about that new IPA we were trying that night. But as I drove back home, I found myself thinking about a conversation with a complete stranger that night. Oh, here they go. Come on, I'll walk you through it. All right, so we just met up for some beers, some wings, and some conversation. Something we've been doing since, well, since I mentioned beers, I'll, I'll start at 21. I don't want to incriminate anybody, <laughs> including myself. But this particular night, it was about like 11 p.m. We had decided that the night wasn't over yet. Everybody wanted to come back to my house, which is cool. I love that. I grew up as that type of kid. My uh, my parents loved having the, the, the rec center house, as they used to call it. So it was all good. I loved that. Before we were going to make the journey to Baltimore, we decided we needed some new IPAs for the night, which was a great idea. Loved it. So we walk into the store, and I guess this is like one of Rick's spots, you know? He's, he was fairly comfortable. Fairly com Like, this is, you know, his thing. But see, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. We got... Look, can we back up, Cora? Rewinding. Okay, okay. Stop, 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 stop. Look at that. This does not look like a liquor store. I just want to point that out. <laughs> because when we went here, I, I, just, I just didn't know what was going on. And I drove past this place multiple times thinking that it was like a hut or something. But no, it was a fully functioning liquor store. In fact, we didn't even like walk in actually i have to correct myself we tried to walk in and then we realized that it was a hearty line waiting to get into the liquor hut if you will but anyways when we finally do get in there it's set up like a l-shaped 7-eleven with a random like tasting section <laughs> in the back it was great but forget all that let's stay focused matter of fact focus on him The guy behind the counter, because it's his fault that this episode is being recorded right now. He's the one. He's the one that opened the rabbit hole that night. But you know me, I love knowledge. So in a way, guy at that L-shaped liquor hut, if you're listening, consider this a thank you. So we grabbed the brews. Everybody bought a pack of beer, which was, I don't know why we did that. <laughs> There was a lot of beer. But we get to the counter and, you know, as 30-year-old males... Meeting up with another guy, another random guy, conversation just naturally finds its way. That's just how it is. And a lot of times it ends up going back to business, which is why those progressive commercials are very realistic. And for whatever reason, the conversation got to a point where I found out that this guy also operates a medicinal marijuana dispensary. Now, usually I have the memory of an elephant. You know that. But for whatever reason, that little blood, like I, I literally don't know how we got to that point. But I know that once we got there, he had said something along the lines of, you know. People have to be careful with grass that they buy or whatever. Sometimes it's all types of chemicals in it. And whatnot. And when it's natural, it's in a lot of cases good for you. But he was saying that, you know, you got to watch where you get certain things. Because buying grass in the back alley somewhere is sketchy. 
in so many words. But he started, you know, going into detail about kind of the benefits of not just trustworthy marijuana, but more so like his role in the trade, if you will. So we walked out, you know, hopped in our separate cars, like an episode of Power Rangers before we all came together and made one big Megazord. And we raced back to Baltimore. I think literally, by the way. But the whole time I was thinking, I, I really came to understand that in 2022, which at that, at that time it was 2021, but in 2022, at this moment right now, the marijuana industry is at a significant point in history because it's at a point where it's no longer taboo, I don't think so, to have a innocent discussion on the benefits and the negatives, if you will, of marijuana use. We're at a point where our politicians are arguing about the precipice of war in the same room that they're arguing about or have argued about marijuana use in their various jurisdictions. Speaking of that, depending on where you're listening to this from, it may or may not be legal. In most of the United States territory, is decriminalized, so it ain't. It's not that serious anyway. But this plant, this green plant, I believe, is on the verge of making that transition from prohibition liquor to L-shaped liquor huts on the north side of Prince George's County. Like I really believe that the fight for the greener side of life is ramping up like none other, and I want to know everything I can about it because, well, as corny as it sounds, knowledge is power. This is Live BW, Season 7, log title, What is the Greener Side of Life? I'm Brian James. Welcome to Episode 169. This is my story. This is our story. Did you smoke this morning? I mean, none of your goddamn business. No, see, see, I think that's the problem, or at least that has been the problem. Everyone's been more concerned about, well, who's doing it and concerned about making it illegal and then finding your political footing so you can point fingers at those that do do it. And what what throws me off the most is that there was very little concerned effort to even find out what the hell the it was. I don't know. This Now, this could be a bit of a reach. I don't I won't say it's the Space Jam Michael Jordan reach, but it is a personal opinion of mine. Nothing on this earth is yours, naturally. And honestly speaking, nothing on this earth is really the government's, naturally. It was taken or given to or earned in some way, shape, or form, but in its natural state, God signed off on all of this. Now that's, that's a personal thing. I know we have a lot of atheists in the courtroom. We have ever since we began this show. But all I'm saying is that if none of this is really ours per se, and we can't take it with us, and the world has just been a beautiful nest of which we were born into, I feel as though the political and judicial systems of not just America, but literally everywhere on the face of this earth should research the hell out of the substances that they say are illegal. I'm sorry, I'm so excited. I may have, that may have all sounded like one word. But you know what I'm trying to say. It wasn't until recent years that scientists, uh, legislators, doctors, and random advocates began to speak out for marijuana use. 
but it's been illegal at the federal level since 1937. And they do classify it as a Schedule One controlled substance. It was regulated as a drug in every state as part of the Uniform State Narcotic Drug Act, per the Uniform Law Commission. And then first national regulation was the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937. Uh, can I get down? Well, I can make a lot of comments on what you said. I can make a lot of comments on the trial, but I know that was just be arguing with you or talking with you. Okay, okay. Thank you. This need to be. Now, that act of 1937 would then be overturned in 1969 for a list of reasons, but I'll sum it up for you by saying that it was a bunch of bullshit. In fact, according to Grand Rapids, Michigan lawyer Bruce Allen Block, the Marijuana Tax Stamp Act of 1937 was unconstitutional because it required the person seeking a tax stamp to incriminate themselves, which obviously, hello, is a violation of the Fifth Amendment. So they rewrote it and then repealed it, and weed was officially outlawed in the country as part of the 1970 Controlled Substances Act. Brian, turn that music down, 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 down. Because the world has wagged its finger and never really had a conversation about it, there have been 8.2 million marijuana arrests just between 2001 and 2010. Now after 2010 is when things kind of go up and down because that's when the fight, I would say, really started. But per the ACLU, it's worth noting that marijuana arrests made up 43% of all drug arrests in 2018 more than any other drug category. And 89.6 of those marijuana arrests were for possession only. Millions of people have been brought up on marijuana charges. I'm pretty sure we all know at least one person that has dealt with that. And the, the, cra like, the craziest thing about it to me is how polarizing it is to kind of see on the other end of things that the marijuana industry is booming legally. Like you got all types of investors trying to get in on it right now. <laughs> While still an estimated 40,000 people are incarcerated today for marijuana offenses. Well, you know, like like while looking looking through the bars of their jail cell at all these people smoking and distributing marijuana legally across the country. Richard Bronson, the founder and CEO of 70 Million Jobs, said during a Forbes interview, uh, this is back in 2020, there are 70 million people in this country with criminal records, and each and every one of them goes through hell finding a job, end quote. Those people are still being penalized for something that was deemed illegal at one point, but is now becoming increasingly and increasingly permissible. In fact, in some situations, doctors will even suggest it to you. Like, you, you understand what I'm saying? How, just, how, how crazy this whole marijuana arena is? And if you ask me, it was born out of fear. It's a fear of something. I, I don't know what. I don't even want to speculate. But America's history with marijuana tells me everything I need to know. You're not going to believe this. Live BW.
Alright, so a couple of minutes ago I may have lied but I said I didn't want to speculate about all of this. I, I do. That's why we're here today. I figured we'd start out here. Well, I guess we're not really talking about starting anymore. We're like 15 minutes in. But anyways, I figured we'd take it out here. That dude over there, the one with the hair that looks like wings, is none other than the first president of the United States of America, George Washington. Yeah, and we're here in Mount Vernon because he grew hemp here as one of his three main crops. Hey, hey, Cor, can you play the, that clip from George Washington's Mount Vernon? On it. Stand by. Oh, hey, how you doing? Um, did Washington grow hemp? Yeah, Washington grew hemp. It's one of the many agricultural crops that he planted here at Mount Vernon on his five farms. The hemp plant, or cannabis sativa, is actually credited for being the first agricultural crop planted by humankind. In writings and diaries, he mentions hemp no fewer than 90 times. Uh, in these mentions, he says he talks about sowing hemp, harvesting hemp, looking for the best hemp seed that he could find, and also encouraging farmers to grow not only hemp, but but cotton for the articles that would come from these plants and, and what was produced from the plants he said ought to be manufactured at home. He mentions types of hemp. Those would be New Zealand hemp, East India, and American hemp. In 1794, he gave some hemp seed to the gardener and he asked him to sow it and collect as much seed as he could and from those seeds make the best advantage of them during the proper season. So why was Washington growing so much hemp? Well, every part of the industrial hemp plant that Washington was growing could be used. From the seed, you can extract oil, and from the fibers around the stock, you can make cloth, paper, and rope. Washington's main interest in the hemp plant seems to be for the strong fibers that he could get off of the plant to make rope and canvas for his extensive fishing fleet. So indeed, Washington did grow hemp. He grew a lot of it. But the big question, did Washington smoke? No. Yeah, okay. Not, look, not that we know of, but thank you. That was George Washington's Mount Vernon. You can also read up more about that at mountvernon.org slash hemp. Get out! Get out of here! Oh, shit! So there's no evidence of him smoking it, but there's a clear evidence of interest in it. A clear evidence of its value, if you will. It's been like that for centuries. Like, this is not a new thing. It started here in America in the early 1600s with King James. No, not LeBron. The first legalization on American soil involving cannabis was reportedly enacted in Jamestown, Virginia in 1619. The decree from King James I required all American colonists to grow Indian hemp for export to England. Wait, 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 what? The country was a drug dealer. That is interesting. Core, go ahead. Thank you, Brian. Continuing. My bad. In 1862, Vanity Fair advertised marijuana-infused candy dubbed hashish candy as a treatment for nervousness and melancholy. Marijuana literally grew everywhere. But here is where the party stopped. Yep. Yep, and the party stopped there because you guessed it. Racism. It always, it, it just finds a way to find its way. One of the most consistent things in life, honestly, but but that's another podcast. So it, this all goes back to the revolution of 1910, where a lot of people were coming into the country and immigrants 
essentially flooded the job market, if you will. And in some cases, it was cheap labor, you know, how capitalism works. Even in its earlier days, everybody's trying to save money. But that meant that a lot of immigrants were taking a lot of American jobs. And of course, people got upset. Along with their hard work, those immigrants also brought with them the idea of smoking marijuana. So then it became kind of associated with the cheap immigrant labor. And honestly, at least in my opinion, in my words, it looks like people began to carry out their frustrations of immigrant labor, carry those frustrations out on marijuana too. Then it all kind of nestled together, creating one big smear campaign against Mary Jane. Nobody says that anymore. For, for, for we. Those lawmakers, in turn, began a nationwide cannabis prohibition. Not to mention, you got the Great Depression, which came and made opportunities even more limited, and in turn, that made people even more mad, if you will. That led to the Reefer Madness campaign. The Reefer Madness campaign, uh, they actually created, it was a PR campaign that showed how dangerous and um, potentially harmful marijuana could be. Did you watch Reefer Madness? I mean, you know what can happen if you smoke that shit. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. No wonder it's on schedule one. Man, I was just about to say the same thing. Keep playing, Core. On it. Everyone got scared. Everyone uh, felt wholeheartedly that hemp and marijuana should be uh, illegal, so there wasn't much backlash or argument for that move either. Hemp should never have been a controlled substance. There was a lot of misinformation. Uh, we didn't have the education levels. People didn't know what THC was, much less how do you determine THC. Now, I really, really agree with that last guy, that last voice that you heard. Although the whole determining THC issue thing, I, I don't know how to feel about that. But that's Kentucky farmer and congressman James Comer. And just his one statement, his one statement about how hemp should have never been a schedule one drug, if you will, or schedule one substance, if you will, highlights everything I've been trying to say in this little intro thing thing. Because see, we can't really talk about the future of it without analyzing and admitting the past. And the past, to me, has been overly concerned about who's smoking it, who's using it for whatever reason, and the need, and I'll say the inexplainable need, or the unexplained need, of controlling the whole narrative around it. Like, they've treated weed essentially like the country treats Area 51. I mean, you know how it's always guarded and it kind of seemed like until recently the government kind of shied away from the whole UFO conversation. And don't worry, we're not going off on a tangent, don't worry. But that same approach to that conversation was kind of used with the weed conversation. And now you can see that some of it is based in racial undertones, extreme laws without extreme knowledge, and a fear-building campaign. And I guess what makes me hopeful for the future of cannabis, if you will, is that now the research is being done. And it's being done publicly, too. Like, you really can get immersed in all of this just by going to do your Googles. It's very easy to, to understand this plant from your own lens without the lens of the laws of the land. Because, I mean, come on now, for centuries, we know what powers that. That's why we did our own research. And according to the research, it has its risk, but it can also be helpful. Be right back. Hold on to that.
on the next episode of Live BW. It's time to have a conversation about time. We lost an hour of sleep a few weeks back here in the States, but we may never have to deal with that again. Senate just passed a bill that will make daylight saving time the permanent setting for U.S. clocks, period. Before we can talk about the bill and what the change could mean for us, we have to talk about the history of daylight saving time and really analyze life with and without it. And then we'll make a decision. We'll do all of that next week, right here on Live BW. Live in a beautiful state. Brian, turn that music down, 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 down. All right. Now, now, before we get to the bottom of all of this, you must know there are a couple different variations of this plant and the law treats them all differently. I know we did a lot of talking about the history of the law, but as it stands right now, although 15 states have now legalized recreational marijuana, it's still illegal federally in the United States. So basically, well, technically, I should use that word. I did use that word. We're good. So technically, you can have legal weed in a legal jurisdiction, but still be punished under the federal law and traveling across state borders with cannabis is prohibited. So just know your legal footing before anything. At least that's how I approach this conversation. Hemp, on the other hand, that's been legal to grow and sell in the U.S. as part of the 2018 Farm Bill since 2018. Duh. And that's according to the conversation. Now, hemp and marijuana are both considered cannabis sativa. The base of the difference between the two is the psychoactive stuff, or as we more commonly call it, the high, if you will. Tetra THC is pretty much the axis of that. Hemp has less than 0.3% of THC, which is why hemp-based products don't create that high feeling. On the other end of that, if, if you have a THC that's higher than 0.3%, that's marijuana. Now, when it comes to CBD, there's been a lot of studies conducted on it recently, and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. We definitely have all heard about it. Those studies that deal with CBD's effect on pain, um, anxiety, depression, and apparently CBD has been effective at treating epilepsy as well. Now, you can get CBD in all sorts of forms. I mean, they got CBD oil, they got CBD like spray, mints. <laughs> I mean, I, I bought a CBD chapstick. Now that I will say <laughs> But CBD doesn't create that high So that's why you see it more places Like I, that chapstick I bought For example was from the grocery store You go above that 0.3% of THC And that's when everybody is like Throwing their arms up Like whoa 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 Wait a minute What are we doing Is this is this uh, a schedule one substance now Is this what we're doing And in some of the really strict states Across the country Like Nebraska and Idaho well, I shouldn't say strict But I'll just say they be uh they be doing them. I'll just put it like that. They still consider CBD oil as Schedule 1, even though that is under that 0.3% of THC. But while we're able to research CBD more, obviously because it doesn't have those psychoactive effects, so the risk is lower, so not as strict with it, there has been some clinical research 
surrounding marijuana as well. Now, there's a lot of red tape around who's able to do the research, but they have found that marijuana has several therapeutic benefits for people with epilepsy, nausea, glaucoma, multiple sclerosis, and opioid dependency disorders as well. It's helped people dealing with anxiety and depression. Doctors have prescribed it to patients who haven't been able to develop an appetite. I mean, there's several conversations about this. It's being explored. And obviously, you know, it's being used medically. According to a 2021 Basic Science Research article by Rosenthal and Pipitone, medical marijuana is currently legal in 35 U.S. states with an estimated 3.6 million state-legal medical cannabis patients. And this is how it weighs in with other medications, with other prescription drugs, if you will. The journal goes on to say that a majority of patients, 65%, also reported a reduction or total discontinuation of at least one prescription or over-the-counter drug as a result of marijuana use, or medical marijuana use, I should say. That's crazy. That is wild. The morning of February 12th, 2012, started off pretty normally in my busy medical office in Denver with phones ringing, patient consultations, pretty much business as usual. Joyce knocked on my door. That was unusual. Joyce never knocked on my door when I was with a patient. There's a call for you, she said. This is a call you need to take, she said. The woman on the phone was named Paige, and she sounded desperate. Dr. Shackelford, she said, would you please see my five-year-old daughter, Charlotte? Charlotte had been having seizures since she was six months old, and she had been diagnosed with a rare genetic condition called Dravet syndrome. None of the medicines that had been prescribed for Charlotte had worked, not one of 17 different prescription drugs, and now they wanted to try a horse tranquilizer from Europe. And then Paige said something that really stunned me. She said she had been reading that medical marijuana might be able to stop seizures, and she said, Dr. Shackelford, will you please recommend some so that we can try it for Charlotte. I, I, how could I possibly rationalize recommending that a child use marijuana for any purpose? And I was concerned that if I did it, it might endanger my medical license. But then Paige told me that Charlotte had had two cardiac arrests, two, at the age of five. And when I finished medical school, I pledged to use all of my skills and all of my training to sustain life, to care for the patients I was privileged to take care of to the best of my ability to use all that training to cure when possible. And so I knew that I had to see Charlotte. Paige and Charlotte came to my office, and in the two hours that Charlotte was there, she had five seizures. One in the parking lot, two in the waiting room, and two while I was examining her. I had heard pretty much the same thing that Paige had, that there was a compound in the marijuana plant called CBD, or cannabidiol, that might be able to control seizures. There was one study on it published in 1980, and I just happened to have read that. CBD is remarkable. Unlike THC, it doesn't get you high. And I did not want for Charlotte to get high. I also didn't want for her to smoke marijuana. In fact, I don't want anybody to smoke marijuana because oral dosing is much more effective. I filled out the necessary paperwork so that Paige could go down to the dispensary and buy all of the high CBD, low THC cannabis in Denver. And Paige gave it to an herbalist friend of hers in Colorado Springs who extracted it into an oil. And then Paige, very nervously, put several drops of it in Charlotte's mouth. And then finally, when Paige did call me, she said, Dr. Shackelford, Charlotte has not had one single seizure for an entire week, not one. It's like a miracle. And Paige was right. It was a miracle for Charlotte. But I had- All right, Core, stop, stop, stop. Thank you. That was Dr. Alan Shackelford, a doctor in Denver and a graduate of the University of Heidelberg School of Medicine in Germany. That was during a 2018 TED Talk 
in Cincinnati. And it was just one of the millions of stories that I'm sure we'd uncover if we continue to explore the world of medical marijuana. Now, if you're still trying to put the pieces together and, and find the differences between hemp, CBD, THC, marijuana, all of that, just trying to get the, the, the words together, I really like this example that the conversation laid out in their article. They said, our recent study found that Americans perceive hemp and CBD to be more like over-the-counter medication and THC to be more like a prescription drug. Just an interesting way to think about it. I'll be sure to link the article in the episode description. Check it out. I wear a mean dark pair of shades. And you can't see my eyes unless my head is bent. You dig? So every angel has a devil. Well, I don't know how true that is. <laughs> so don't go, don't go looking for that in a good book. But I don't know. It just feels like every right has a wrong. And some of these things that feel the best for us and could be the best for us could also have some negative effects on some people as well. That's with anything. A 2020 Healthline article suggests that some of the risky side effects of marijuana use could be hallucinogenic effects, depressant-like effects, stimulating effects, and other side effects that include bloodshot eyes, dry mouth, and increased appetite. Now, the appetite thing, it actually helps some cancer patients who, you know, whether it's through treatment or whether it's through fighting their disease, it lost the uh, desire to eat. But I do know that the increase of appetite from marijuana has helped them. Now, in terms of the hallucinogenic effects that Healthline lays out, they go on to say that marijuana can cause mild hallucinations, poor motor skills, or altered perceptions of reality. And the reason they bring that up is to go on to say that you shouldn't drive while high. I, I do agree with that. Like, that's guaranteed illegal, even in a state where marijuana use is legal. It's, I mean, I, I, I liken it to driving while drunk. Like, it's just something that, you know, I don't want to get political, but don't do it. Or try not to. Please, driving while high has the same effect. They bring up the depressant-like effects, also comparing that to alcohol use. They say you feel calm and relaxed, or you can feel calm and relaxed while using marijuana, but you can start to feel depressive symptoms as a side effect. Some people have. It also makes you a little discombobulated and throws off your coordination and concentration. Or can, I should say. Not it will, it can. Gotta get these words together. And lastly, Healthline mentions the stimulating effects, saying that it could boost your mood, but it could also make you hyperactive, make you breathe faster, raise both your blood pressure and heart rate. And those are all possible side effects. Again, just possible. And they go, Healthline goes on to say that these effects aren't as common in marijuana compared to depressant effects. Just like I said in the beginning with knowing the legal history of it and the legal footing of marijuana use, I would suggest that you also know your footing, like your body's footing, your mind's footing, how you respond to it. If you respond to it at all, I mean, if you use it at all. Like, I, it, it's just kind of like a warning, like just judging all for the research here and, and what we've discovered in the lab today, there are never too many questions surrounding this. There's nothing wrong with getting answers from your doctor, especially when you're using medical marijuana. I mean, you know, if you have questions, ask. If you have questions about the possibility of using it, ask. As I said before, it's tons of information out here now. We're a long ways from King James telling the United States of America to sell drugs across the pond. Or not sell drugs, that was very dramatic, but to grow hemp for our friends across the pond. We're a long way from that. We are like centuries into research. 
and we're in a really good place right now in society where a lot of things that were deemed illegal and a lot, and of, a lot things of things that were shamed, shamed and, 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 and frowned, frowned upon are now at least being studied and understood. And marijuana is one of those things. So that's what I'm saying. It's not taboo anymore. You have a question? Ask. I'll harken back to this Healthline article for a second. It is said to have like op- opioid-like effects on the central nervous system, they say. However, it poses much fewer risks than synthetic opioids, and it's also not considered as addictive as other substances. In fact, that's why many advocates are pushing for marijuana legalization so patients can have safer options for pain management. And some people use marijuana as a way to treat opioid addiction. So just like anything else in life, okay, not to sound like the old guy in the room, but just like anything else in life, do your checks and balances, weigh it out. Don't let the society at large make you feel guilty for your curiosity. Never feel guilty for curiosity. That's, as a matter of fact, that's the slogan here from now on. Never feel guilty for curiosity, point blank period. Research as much as you can and see how you fit into this equation and how the green plant fits into your equation. If it does, weigh out the risks, and find out if there's a reward in it for you. All right, so what am I saying here today? I'm saying a lot of things, but the first thing I'm saying is that it literally is weird to me how backwards this weed discussion has been for centuries. Well, maybe weird isn't a word because I understand politics. I know how it works. I understand money. I know how addictive it is. I understand greed. I know why it's in the Bible. So. Really, honestly, the way that this conversation kind of unfolded since the early 1900s, it's literally just on the basis of greed. And it was crazy to me to understand that people have had such a disdain towards marijuana users based on a hyper borderline extremist campaign that painted a negative light on a plant or quote unquote substance that they're just now starting to actually research. And of course, when you start to actually research it, you find a lot of positives. I can't help but think about, and this might be slightly dramatic, but I can't help but think about the people who have died from you know, a disease or some sort of illness that may have been, I won't say cured, but may have been helped with marijuana use. The people that continue to struggle on the basis of this fogginess around marijuana. marijuana. Yes, yes, the conversation, conversation is, is you know, you know, being, being had, had more and, and being had in more rooms. But do your research. Always, Always do, do your, your research. research. Like, let's pledge to do that. No matter what anybody says to us, we got to do our research and we got to know before we do whatever we are going to do or, or before we deny something. Back to that 2021 article from The Conversation. They said that although 67% of U.S. adults support marijuana legalization, public knowledge about cannabis is low. A third of Americans think that hemp and marijuana are the same thing. I mean, including me, by the way. I didn't think it was the same thing, but put it like this. I, I learned a lot here today. And there are still tons of Google searches trying to figure out more about CBD. We've been misinformed. Let's call it what it is. We've been misled with this conversation. From, from the powers that be, as dramatic as that sounds. It boils down to the fact that people didn't like immigrant workers taking the jobs and they used marijuana use to disqualify them. 
then they put out this crazy campaign to make everyone see the world through that lens. I mean, I studied PR for three years on a graduate level and the psychology behind public relations and the different campaigns was the hardest thing to digest because it takes advantage of people's ignorance, if you will. And I don't mean anything evil when I use the word ignorance, although it does have a certain oomph to it every time I use it. I mean, it's an innocent ignorance. People just don't know. So when people don't know, they'll spend centuries of not knowing and just going with the flow. Because you trust certain voices and you trust certain people to take care of that information and pass it on to you. Pass on the necessary information, you know? But if you learned anything today, I hope you learned that when it comes to this marijuana conversation, we've been let down. We've been let down because our jurisdictions have been more concerned about the people that are using marijuana rather than being concerned with its use in general. Rather than doing the research to not just decide if it's legal or illegal, but to decide if it's helpful. I, I said it before and I'll say it again. We are visitors on this planet. None of this belongs to us, if you will. But while everything is here for us, I believe that it is the job of the powers that be and anybody who wants to volunteer to do it to research everything that's here, to truly understand what we're dealing with. It's not to come in here and say, you can't touch that, you can't smoke that, you can't use that to rub out some pain. Who are you? So what I hope is that you've taken this information like I have. Like I said, I learned a lot today too. Very, very good day in the lab, I'll say. You take all this information, you go and you do the Googles yourself, and then you come to your own conclusion about the issue. That way the next time it comes up with your friends or you see it online and don't want to feel lost, you'll be able to draw your own conclusions about it all. As you know, we're, we're a fan of uh, thinking for yourself, if you will. All right? Cora, shut it down. This transmission is terminating. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode of Live BW. All of the articles that were mentioned in the episode are linked in the description. Feel free to click through and check them out. And then connect with us on IG at LiveXBW. Or you can hit me directly on Twitter at BJamesLive.